You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling. We have a fun episode for you guys today. We'll be talking about USC picking up three more commitments. Shotgun, you talked to a five-star prospect who was on USC's campus last week. We'll talk about that, and we'll get into PRPs, what's going on with those, and we'll answer your questions. Thanks to everyone who sent us questions, either by text, email, or pigeon. But as a reminder, you guys can... Wait, we got some pigeon messages? Pigeon mail. (laughs) As a reminder, you guys can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Megaphone. You can also email us your questions or submissions to our podcast at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Shotgun, as I mentioned, USC picked up more commitments since the last time we recorded our podcast. Uh, I'm just going to run down them and we can get into the the nitty gritty of them. First off, three-star offensive tackle Andrew Millick. Millick is how you pronounce it. I asked him for confirmation. He's from Brophy Prep High School in Phoenix, Arizona. He's six foot six, two hundred and ninety-five pounds. He's ranked as the number one hundred and seventh offensive tackle in the two four seven composite rankings, and he's the number twenty-ninth prospect in Arizona. Moving on to the next commitment, three-star offensive tackle Andre DeWork. He's out of Los Gatos High School in Los Gatos, California. He's six foot seven, two hundred and ninety-seven pounds. He's ranked the ninety-sixth offensive tackle in the two-four-seven composite. And then moving on to the last commitment that USC picked up in the last week, three-star defensive tackle Kobe Pepe out of St. John Bosco, six foot one, two hundred and ninety-four pounds. He's ranked number sixty-seventh as far as defensive tackles go, and number sixty-fifth in California. Shotgun, that's a mouthful of prospects and commits I just listed. Let's start off with Millick. He was at USC's elite camp. What did you see from him? Athleticism. You know, big man that can move. You know, that's something that USC, USC's looking for big guys on the edge because they have a lot of interior guys right now. They need more tackle prospects. So that's what they're going out and looking for. That's usually not something you can find a ton of in California. Sometimes you got to find guys that are kind of prospects that you can put some weight on. These guys are already 6'6", 295, 6'7", 297. You know, they're going to have to morph their body a little bit, obviously. You know, you want to put a little bit more muscle on and stuff. But both Millick and DeWork both are athletic guys that can get out and you know can can do some stuff on the edges you know in that zone read type of offense that you have with the air raid you know they're able to get to the second level and do some different things I think uh, I think that that's what they're looking for in all three of those guys that, that they brought in the last two weeks actually with Joey Wright you know two weeks ago as well another 6'6 297 you know all three guys similar body types you know long lanky guys they're going to be able to move and you know that was the thing about Millick that, that really stood out watching you know the isolation highlights that you put up on, on uh, US football.com is that you can see him in the drills and stuff he's able to get outside and move and that's something that the USC is looking for other tackles because like I said they have a bunch of interior guys they got guys that, that can play those spots now they need guys that can be on the edge and they can keep guys away from the quarterback force them to go a long way around the quarterback can get out in the run plays you know run th- that zone read stuff and, and get out and you know be a lead blocker if need be at the second level and I think that's what you're looking at with these two guys they got this weekend uh, on the offensive line both to work and Millick athletic able to move you know it's something that's hard to find it you know for four or five star guys quote unquote on the on the west coast because guys just usually aren't built out their bodies aren't they don't have the height that you you look for the guys that are ranked highly on the west coast 
our guys that are probably interior guys. You look at Drake Metcalf, you look at Miles Morale, you look at uh, you know even Jonah Monheim, who's a three-star guy, who's on his official visit this past week, who's really blown up this week this uh, this spring. Uh, and even Jeffrey Percy is a three-star guy who's a, you know another tall, but he's not built out. The t- guys that are built out are shorter, and you just don't find the guys that are physically ready to go in as freshmen on the West Coast as much as you do in the South, and uh, you know even a little bit in Texas. And you see that more there. That's why those guys sometimes are rated a little bit higher. But as we've seen from the NFL draft, the commonplace thing is to, to find smaller guys and bulk them up that are athletic. And that's what USC is looking for. You're looking for the guys that have some athleticism. And that's what you're getting out of these two. Now, we mentioned this and you alluded to this earlier. Is it seems like based, if you look directly at who USC has gotten for commits on the offensive line, it looks like it's going more towards scheme. It seems like USC has shifted towards, okay, who can Tim Drevno develop? Who is uh, maybe a project but has the right uh, pieces there? Does it seem like USC is going that way? So this is something I asked a, you know, a staff member at USC, you know, the differences in recruiting offensive linemen where they are right. And they said, it's not necessarily that. Now that's what I thought it was. You know, you're looking for more, you know, the, the uh, wingspan height, uh, but they're just, they're more looking for offensive tackles right now, just because they're, they're kind of thin on that in the program. You know, guys like Liam Douglas that, Hey, maybe he can be an offensive tackle down the line. He's playing guard right now. You know, the guys that are, actually playing offensive tackle are guys like Liam Jimmins. Liam Jimmins looks huge right now. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, I've been so surprised at how quickly he's developed on the offensive line. You know, I think he's a guy that might surprise us and get in and, and play a little bit uh, this season as a tackle, especially if there's an injury or something, even with Drew Richmond coming in, you know, even with Jalen McKenzie and Austin Jackson back on the edges, Andrew Voorhees is a guy that's played some tackle, but those are the type of guys you want to play interior. USC is looking for those big body guys that they can play tackle. And I think that's more than what they're recruiting for this season season more than necessarily a scheme change is changing their their recruiting uh kind of perspective it's more that they just they need those tackles and that's why they've been going after the the bigger taller guys than they than the you know the smaller guys who might be a little more skilled you know in interiorly uh to to be able to fight interiorly is that a good word Eh, we'll we'll go with it (laughs) interiorly that's not not a word um but we're throwing it in there interesting so as far as USC fans getting concerned at the star ranking, you know, as USC fans do, we already discussed this, but now that they've added more three stars, is there more concern there? Or is it just like, hey, it's a down year to fill quantity because, you know, they've they've missed as far as other classes go in replenishing that offensive line depth. Do you really worry about a maybe a class that just fills up the depth? Well, one thing you look at is, there's not a lot of top prospects in the offensive line in California. Now there's some on the West Coast, but those are and by West, it's more West than West Coast is in Colorado. Colorado's got three guys in the top fifty in the offensive line, but those aren't guys that are coming to USC. You know, they've looked at some of these guys, they evaluated them, but they you know haven't been in on those guys. Roger Rose, Rosengartner from Valor Christian in Colorado, he's going to Washington. You know, you got Tosh Baker in Arizona. He's committed to Notre Dame. You know, the the bigger prospects are already kind of committed uh, on the wet in the West. And you know, the only guy that's kind of left in California is Miles Murrow. He's the only guy in the top fifty of offensive linemen. So I think USC is going out and finding guys that they like. And these are guys that have came to their camp. They've seen them play. So it's not like they're just going off of you know they're looking at the size or looking at the rankings. It's not that they're looking at guys that have come to their camp. They've seen them play, and we've heard a lot about how USC is watching a ton of film and stuff and, and looking at a lot of prospects and trying to find maybe a little bit more of the, the gym 
uh, the diamond in the rough type of thing. But it's more just because they're not in a great position to recruit right now, coming off a five and seven season. You know, there's not the momentum that they've had in previous years, so it's harder to recruit, especially on the offensive line where you're replacing a bunch of guys this year. So you know, you look at the guys. If you're being a recruit right now, you look at it and go, okay, well, unless someone leaves early there's no spots on me for to compete for next year or maybe even the year after that you know you got Austin Jackson is the only junior I believe or uh, he and Andrew Voorhees so you look at it and you go well I'm at least two years away and they've already got another number of guys there it's just not a good position to recruit from as an offensive line coach but they're going out and finding guys that they think are quality guys and maybe we're being overlooked Los Gatos is kind of in the middle of nowhere in, in uh in the, the South Bay area of Northern California like it's it's not a place where you expect a lot of recruits to come out of. There's not a ton of recruits that come out of that area. But USC's finding those guys, bringing them in. Let's see what they look like in camp. Let's see. Well, we like what we see. We like the athleticism, and that's what they're going after. I think it's more that than necessarily people. You know, the three stars is not as big of a deal on the offensive line, in my opinion, because it's not like last year was a bigger deal because you're losing a lot of offensive linemen. Next year, maybe you lose Austin Jackson as an early uh, entry into the NFL draft, but otherwise you got the whole group coming back with the exception of Drew Richmond, which we don't know exactly where he's going to fit as a grad transfer. You know, the guys that have played in the spring were all together. Those guys are all going to be back. So I don't think it's necessarily that you have to get that five-star guy that can come in and contribute right now because you have guys that are coming back. So I, I think it's not as big of a deal this year that you're getting three-star guys because they're going to be developmental guys anyways. You kind of you got your guys already in place. Now, if you can go out and find a five-star guy, that's great. But there's one of them. There's one. That's it. Paris Johnson Jr., who USC did offer early in, in his uh, recruitment, is the only five-star guy in the top 24-7 that, that, as an offensive lineman. So, you know, it's it's hard to say – go out and get a bunch of five-star guys when there's only one of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, guys will be bumped up. Let's let's not forget that. Guys will be bumped up. 24-7 sports is a little bit more hesitant to give out the five-star ranking early, and that's the same thing with these three-stars. Some of these three-star guys may work their way in as we see them more and more, and as always, offensive line, defensive line are usually the two toughest to kind of predict and project. You know, that's why you always see in the NFL draft, you go, oh, there's a three-star guy that's an offensive lineman. That guy was not rated. Offensive line are very difficult to project because the body is going to change a lot from when you're 16 to 18 to 22. And especially when you're going into a, you know, from a high school program, you know, a lot of programs aren't modern day, modern day in Bosco. <laughs> not every program is that, even though it seems like there's recruits there all the time that USC is trying to get. But when you get to a college and you, you get into the strength and development program, the, it things change and you know, the body can change a lot. That's why you see the tie, the guys that were tight ends in high school become office linemen and become really good. It's about finding those raw characteristics. And that's what USC is looking for. The athleticism, the size, and then they'll build from that. And if you have a good development program, then they turn into good to good linemen. And that's going to be the question this year. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of St. John Bosco, Kobe Pepe, the three-star defensive tackle, what does USC get with him? You know, when you look at his tape and you know, watch him in at camps and stuff, he just he he always wins reps. And that's the that's the type of guy that USC needs more than oh, that guy looks the part. You know, they need some guys that are grinders in the middle of the line. Now the question is, can he continue that at the next level? So he's doing this, but he's doing it against – he's been doing the last two years. He's been really good at, at the camp situations. He takes a lot of reps. He's one of those guys you love seeing. Um, but 
can he do it against the top linemen? Because the West has been, you know, has been a, a you know, this this year is is slimmer pickings for offensive linemen. So it's been easier to beat some interior guys there than you may have at the next level. And is he big enough? You know, Chad K, when he came in, he wanted his guys to slim down. He wants that, you know, wants them beneath 300 pounds. Kobe Pepe is right now at 6'1", 297. You know, where is he? Does he add more weight there? Does he slim down? Where, do, where does he fit in? And he kind of reminds me a little bit of Malik Dorton. Malik Dorton coming out of Bosco as well. You know, a little bit undersized as far as the height. You know, where do you fit him in? Malik Dorton, you know, wasn't a true defensive ta- nose tackle. He played the defensive tackle spot with USC. Can Where does Kobe Pepe fit? Do you, do you push him out? Is he a nose tackle? Do you put him at defensive end? Uh, where exactly can you fit him in? So that's kind of the question with him. And, hey, he's a guy that as soon as he got that off from USC, he knew what he wanted to do. And that's, that's the type of guys you need to get right now. You need to get the guys that are ready to come into your program, even though you came off that five or seven season. He wanted to be at USC regardless. Yeah. As far as what the 2020 class looks like right now in June versus what it'll look like six months from now, how much is this all dependent on USC's 2019 season? USC's still on a lot of prospects. USC has nine commitments. That's probably half of their class. But Clemson has 18 already. Alabama has 20. LSU has 20. You know, everyone in the top 30 rankings right now has at least 10 commits. You know, there's nobody with single. The first single-digit commit program is Stanford at number 34. Now, Stanford's at 34 with their nine commitments. USC's, I think, at 54 with their nine. So Stanford's getting some better quality there. But USC's still in it for a bunch of big-name guys in the Southland because those big-name guys – are waiting around a little bit. Let's see what happens with USC. You know, there's some guys that are looking at USC, considering USC, but if things aren't heading in the right direction, then they're going to go elsewhere. So if you got five-star guys like Justin Flo, who's still considering USC, Bijan Robinson, you know, five-star composite five-star running back out of Tucson, those guys are still considering USC. They like USC, but you're not going to go into a program that looks like it's in all sorts of turmoil. So they want to see what happens now with the new offense coming off a five and seven season. A new president will add some things. I don't know if the kids are necessarily looking at that, but that's going to change some things as well in the, in the athletic program, athletic department, the football program could make some adjustments. We'll see. It's a wait and see time. So I think USC is still in on a bunch of big name guys. If they get the nine guys they want, you know that if, if they're half their class is done right now and the other nine guys are the guys they want, it's going to be a really good class. They're going to jump up those rankings really, really quickly, and people will forget that, hey, there's some three-star guys in this class as well. Yeah. And as we mentioned every time on this podcast, it feels like winning cares a lot. Oh, and yeah. so if oh, USC can yeah. take care of business in 2019, it, it will it will take care of a lot. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned B. John Robinson. You got to talk to him after his visit to USC this past week. Uh, what do you have to say about his visit with the Trojans? You know, when you talk to Bijan Robinson, the first thing that kind of comes up is Reggie Bush. You know, he's a huge Reggie Bush fan. He got to wear the number five jersey. He said he's got to wear it, wear it before. So, you know, it, he had been brought to tears before. We had read from another reporter uh, in Tucson had said that. But, you know, he's a guy that they went all out for. You know, and let me let me back up real quick. The reason why there were a ton of official visits, the reason why there were a ton of commitments this past week, the last two weeks, is because there's now a dead period. Now a dead period started on Monday. There is a you know a month long dead period until July 24th. Camp starts at the beginning of August, so there's like a week in between where kids can have, I mean where coaches can have face to face contact. So it's not you. 
you a lot of coaches pushed and try to get some official visits, try to get you know some commitments now before the dead period started because they know they're going to have a week basically before they start uh, fall camp, and that's not they don't want to be spending all their time you know doing recruiting then. So uh, I think that's a reason why you saw a lot of commitments. There was like eleven or twelve Southland commitments in the in the last uh, over the last weekend as well. Uh, but going back to Bijan Robinson, USC pulled out all the stops. You know they they took him. As they always do with their official visits, they took him uh, up to Nobu and Malibu. Uh, got to got some good food. He ran to Adam Sandler there. Uh, you know they did the whole photo shoot with his family with the number five jersey. With the, they brought out the three Heisman's for him. The three running back Heisman's would be nice if they could have brought Reggie's with him. Reggie would just stop Asterisk. by with his. You know yeah. that'd been that'd been something. Uh, but no, the the entire. So a lot of people think that USC like brought their entire team out to do the photo with him. That that wasn't exactly the case. Yeah, I, I saw that tweet and I was like, no, that's why everyone's in workout clothes is because there's a PRP happening yes. at the same time. So they were doing the photo shoot and the team was coming out. And they just all kind of jumped in. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, he really liked that. He loved the family atmosphere that USC has. He has family in the Los Angeles area which definitely helps USC. He said he comes to Los Angeles a lot, you know, with his family being here. So there's a big attraction to Los Angeles. Now, if you win, there's a big attraction to the football program as well. You add those together, USC has a great shot. But the other two teams that are recruiting him heavily right now, UCLA looked kind of like the leader with him, doesn't look so much like it now. He was at an event recently where he was holding a USC, a Texas, and Ohio State hat, and not a UCLA one. It kind of disappeared. So he also went on official visits to Ohio State right before USC and Texas right after USC. So he got three big official visits in. You know, he's he wants to make a decision between July and the end of the season. He kind of kind of kind of left left range. that one open, but you know, the fact that he's looking at July already tells you that, you know, if he has found the right place, he's going to be looking at it. But just a lot of positive vibes from talking to him with USC. You know, USC came off they did a really good job with the official visit. They really sold the program to him. You know, he thinks he fits into the air raid style. You know, he can catch the ball in the backfield. He thinks he can do, do that. You know, he, he, he kind of molds himself in the way of Reggie Bush. You know, that's the guy he's been watching. You know, he's idolized. He's watched those YouTube clips and everything. I don't think he was watching the games quite. Uh, but, you know, he's watched those YouTube clips. And he's kind of molded his game after Reggie. You know, similar. He's, the, the way he cuts is probably the, the most similar to Reggie that I've seen of the running backs that USC's had uh, and that they're recruiting him, you know, it, it, he just, it almost seems like he accelerates out of his cuts, which, it, you know, like he's accelerating as he's cutting, which is, is impossible, but it seems like that uh, to an extent. And that's probably the closest since we've seen Reggie do that. So, you know, he molds himself in that way. He wants to do all the things that Reggie could do, you know, line up in the slot, you know, be a mismatch, get in the ball in space type of thing. But he's also a big dude. He can, you know, can break tackles with a, with running through people and stuff. So, you know, I think he would fit great into a USC offense, even with the, with the air raid offense. I think he fits great there. But USC's got to get him to commit and come to school before they can do all that. Uh, but they they did come off with a really good visit there, and I think it was a really positive for USC. Yeah, for sure. Now, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but if USC was able to add him to the 2020 class, how much of a, of a win for Clay Helton and company would that be? I, I think that tells you that things are going in the right direction, continue to go in the right direction. I mean, it kind of feels like that right now. We've seen It just feels like USC has a little bit of momentum right now. It's slowly starting its way back up the mountain from the valley. You know, they, they just got out of the river. 
You know, they were drowning. They were drowning. Okay, Clay Helton's back. Okay, well, Cliff Kingsbury's gone. We're, you know, people, someone's dunking their head under the water. But they've gotten away from that. Now they're ready. To, all right, they've caught their breath. Now they're ready to make the trek back up the mountain. And that's it. It starts with very small victories, and they got to work their way up there. But it seems like the momentum's starting to go that direction. So you know, p- picking up Bijan would be huge because you, you got Keenan Kristen in the last last class as a three star guy. But getting a composite five star would be huge for USC, especially with all the uproar when Kendall Milton was not including USC. You know the the Fresno. Uh, running back as a five-star guy as well when he didn't include them in his top five, I think it was last last breakdown. Uh, so, you know, USC's missed out on some running backs in this group, but he's a guy that they really, really like. And if they get him, then everyone will forget about Kendall Milton or Sam Adams or some of the other guys that they've kind of missed out on. True. Any final thoughts on recruiting chatter before we move on to PRPs? No, I think USC's, you know, they, they did a good job getting some commitments before this dead period. Now they've got to, you know, Make sure that they identify the guys they really want to go after during the dead period. They can't have in uh, your uh, face-to-face contact, but they can still communicate with them, you know, electronically. And I think that you know, if they can continue to build momentum, it's only going to help their chances with guys like Justin Flo, with Elias Ricks, with Darion Green, Warren, and you know, all the local guys, Miles Mural, the the guys that are you know, big-time local guys that are still uncommitted right now. Now this week. Uh, the week, the last week of June is the last week that we can watch PRPs in silence. In July, we'll actually be able to talk to the players afterwards. So that will be a nice little update there. Get to talk to them and, and see what they're feeling and thinking about this offseason and, and new strength and conditioning program. But Chagun, you were there on Tuesday for USC's PRP. You were like a spy there. What were you <laughs> able to observe? I mean, it's it's the same stuff over and over. They're running the same uh, routes and stuff. They're continuing to work on, on what they've been working on over and over. So it's just trying to perfect those type things. You know, the couple of new things were that just Jacob Lichtenstein was in a boot. You know, he was walking in a boot. Um, he's still looking for – there's a couple guys that still haven't been there. Austin Jackson, we haven't seen him. Uh, you know, we did see Matt Fink, you know, he was, he was kind of directing things because, you know, we, we heard he had the surgery, you know, don't know exactly what the surgery was, but it just seems like a minor surgery, but he was kind of, yeah, he was kind of directing things, uh, as a kind of a, a faux coach out there. Um, while the other quarterbacks were being able to throw and everything else, we saw Trey Davis for the first time work out. I uh, didn't see Brew McCoy out there, but he might've had class. We'll see if, if he's back on Thursday. But, you know, just seeing guys out there and, you know, seeing the camaraderie with the group, it it seems like everyone's in high spirits. You know, they seem to be getting their work in, enjoying themselves, having a good time with their teammates, which wasn't always the case last year. And especially after you go five and seven, wouldn't necessarily be the case this this spring. But uh, we've seen the guys look like they're putting the work in and look like they're they're getting ready to go. I heard that Ben Griffiths made his first summer appearance as well. We did see Ben Griffiths. I mean, you just hear you hear Ben Griffiths more than you see him. Uh, you just hear him and you see the ball floating through the air for like forty-two seconds. It feels like uh, you know he he's just he's, he's booming the ball. He he's a you know he's a thick dude. I think uh, John Baxter said yesterday that when he came in, it was like two. 20 or something and now he's 245 so he's put on some weight too so if you need to run the fake punt i'm okay with it <laughs> run over somebody ben griffiths can you know he's capable of it from his uh his, his past as well so you know I, I think that usc's again it's another one of those things it's a slow momentum you know just trying to trek their way up the mountain 
as I mentioned, July, we can talk to the players. Do you have anyone in mind? Like, what's the storyline that you're interested in digging more into? I mean, if her, if you got to ask about the strength and conditioning. Yeah. How different is it? I want to talk to the seniors. You know, Jordan Iacefo, when he, you know, he told us that he's never died so much, never died so hard. Yes. I, I miss the misquoted every time. Every time. <laughs> That's why you're around. <laughs> you said you were sitting there as well. But yeah, you know, why? Why, why would you say that? Why is that your comment? Why, you know, what is different? How different is it? How, what's the gains and losses? You know, obviously you want to hear about that, but you know, those type things, I want to hear about the guys that are, that have been injured um, and, you know, missed the spring. How are those things coming back? Those are kind of the, the main storylines. Those are kind of the storylines you look for uh, initially, but I want to hear how it, how it is in the locker room. You know, you guys went five and seven last year. That ain't good in case, in case they're wondering that, that ain't good. How are things going to be different this year? What is, what's changed? Uh, how, what what physical manifest, manifestations of change has there been? Yeah, I'm really curious about the attitude, like you said, strength and conditioning. What's different? What's new? I want to see. This is the time period where leadership starts to grow, where you see those guys, and that's that's who kind of becomes transfers into the new captains, the new leaders of the team. And so, I want to see where where have the seeds been planted? Who are those guys, and and who's starting to take hold as new leaders? So, I'm very curious about that. And also, there's a quarterback competition, and one of the things we've heard would play in the quarterback competition is who is a leader in the offseason. Yep. So, let's hear what the players have to say from that. Yeah, I'm really curious now that Matt Fink is back. Does that is that a weird dynamic once you decide you're entering the portal and then you're back? Like, do you lose your foothold on any leadership you may have had beforehand? How does that all work? <laughs> it's true. Alrighty, let's move into questions. The first is an email from our buddy Maybet. She says, Hello, Keely and Shotgun. This is Maybet from Ontario. My Ontario. Yep. My question is about timing of firing. President Carol Folt takes office on July 1st. Our season opener is on August 31st. If she cleans house sooner rather than later, what is the ideal timing to get rid of Lynn Swan and Clay Helton? Thanks. Keep feuding and fight on. I mean, if you are going to make that move, then the quicker you can make it, the better, because you would want to do it before the school year begins so that you have things in place. You would want to do it. I mean, if you could do it, if you wanted to do that, make that move, you would want to try to do it on July 1st. Now, I don't know if she's prepared to make that type of move. I don't know if she wants to make that type of move. But if you could, you would do it July 1st. That way you have you know, a full month before you know, there's, there's students on campus for, you know, for fall camp and you know, things like that, and a month and a half before the school year begins so that you can you know, ha- take the time to, to find the replacement that you want. You know, that would be the ideal thing. You know, I don't think Fultz going to touch Clay Helton you know, that's not going to be her directive. Now, if she wants to get rid of Clay Helton, then she might get a new athletic director that will do that. But she's not going to come in and say, Clay Helton's got to go. That's A president's usually not going to do that. You know, they they will worry about the higher up and, and worry about the athletic director and, and talk with them. But again, the, the big question with that whole thing is, what is going to be her focus? Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of turmoil at USC right now with the different lawsuits and the different you know kind of scandals that USC has had over the last three or four years. That a new president comes in, do you look at athletics? Because athletics is kind of low hanging fruit. You can go and do it, and you you kind of knock it out of the way. And it might be pretty simple to just kind of you know I'll go with a you know kind of clean house in that regard as far as the top top uh, tier of the athletic department. But there's things that are much more important to USC and the school environment as, as a whole. So do you spend your time with something that's 
a little bit more trivial, I'll say. I know football fan, USC football fans won't think that way, but in the grand scheme of things, it is for the entire university. Yeah, that's been the big question. What's the plan here? Do you go for low-hanging fruit? Do you go for you know this re- the serious things take uh, more importance, or do you multitask? I don't know. I mean, but I think if she were to do something with the athletic department and Lynn Swan, etc., I think you do it as soon as possible. One, because it's the right timing, as Shotgun said, before school, uh, USC's school semester gets started. But also, if you're going to take hold as the new president, you're going to want to establish yourself, establish your power right away. So I think as soon as possible, if you're careful. I want to announce my th- I want to announce my presence with authority. Authority. Do you know that movie quote? No, no you don't. This is another no. week, another movie no. that I don't know what Bull you're talking Durham, about. Bull Durham, another sports movie. <gasps> I have been told I need to watch that. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, the if you make a change with the athletic department, that is a much more visible change than with a lot of other things. Just because there's so many more sports fans than necessarily just USC fans. So there's USC sports fans, but they're also just nationwide sports fans would make a, you know, Lin Swan obviously is a name across is a name brand across the country. So if you make a move there, that is a much more public uh, firing than if you change the dean of some other school. Yeah, agreed. We have a Twitter question from Simon. He says, what recruits committed would stick with USC if Clay Hilton went to the three-star program in the sky? So if Clay Hilton's fired is what we're assuming that he's saying right here, Simon. Um, you know, I, I think that that would depend on who becomes the interim coach or if there's a new coach. Does Graham Harrell stick around? Because USC new needs offensive tackles, so obviously that they're you know that's going to be an important thing for them. But does the new coach look for other people? You know, Jack Airy is going to be around. Bryce Young is going to be around. Josh Jackson, you know, you might change the type of wide receiver you're looking for. The offensive lineman, that's kind of a question of scheme and you know what you see is is remaining in the program. I think the offensive line will probably stay as well, uh, and then. Kobe Pepe on the defensive line, if Chad Kay's around versus not around, I, I think those are kind of the questions. It depends on which coaches were still around. If the position coaches are still there, usually the players stick around. Um, but I think that it also comes in with scheme and different things there as well. So it's kind of hard to say or to answer that question. Uh, but I, I think that most of the class would still stick around. Yeah. Uh, because you can kind of tell that the people who are committing after a 5-7 and seven season are here for USC and, and the brand versus – you know, maybe other reasons. Yep. Uh, we have a question from Morrow on Twitter. He says, how many yards will JT Daniels or whoever the starting quarterback throw for in 2019? You know, I would go like 2,800. I think that's a pretty reasonable number. Uh, you know, Matt Barkley, his numbers kind of been compared to JT Daniels, their freshman numbers. Matt Barkley's second year numbers were similar as far as yardage. He went from 2735 to 2791. The big difference was, he went from 15 touchdowns to 26, and he lowered his interception rate. Uh, so JT Daniels, looking at his numbers, you know he threw for uh, 2,672 yards last year. So I could see that going up by 100, 200. You know if the offense is going well and he's the quarterback, you see he had 10 interceptions last year and 14 touchdowns. I could easily see him being at 24 touchdowns and 10 interceptions or eight interceptions and having 2,800 to 3,000 yards. I don't think that's implausible. I think it's very likely that he could do that. I think in this new offense, he could if he's the starting quarterback, I think he will improve his numbers from last year. How much does that scheme change affect numbers? 
Well, I think the the fact that they're going to throw the ball and the completion center is, is going to rise for him. It was only 59.5% last year. Barkley's rose from basically 59 to to 63% and then rose the next year to 69%. And that's when he was a Heisman contender, decided to come back, and things didn't go so well. Uh, but, you know, I think JT's numbers will only improve. I think this this offense relies on that short passing game so it's going to be less jump balls at times so and I think if, if the offense is working the way it's supposed to he's going to get the ball out quicker and not have to worry about sacks and different things so he's not going to be pressured into interceptions and stuff as much as he was last year as well makes sense we have an email from Hom he says what's the status of Connor Murphy and what is going to be his position I have a feeling that Aaron Osmus can put a few extra pounds on this monster thanks Hom the status of his mullet is that it's looking really nice, really fine, really fine mullet. Uh, that red-headed mullet is, is, is you know, I, I wish that you were allowed to take your helmet off during a game because I want him to get a sack and then rip his helmet off and just flow his mullet out. Free the mullet. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's still a tweener guy, but I think he's got a better chance this year of being on the field because USC has been more three down linemen will one stand up outside linebacker. So I, I think they're, they're trying to get closer to that four down lineman set. And I think that he's better suited when they actually have three down linemen. He has a better chance of getting on the field than last year when there was two down linemen with two outside linebackers the, almost the entire time. Were you surprised that he, we saw him more in spring? Um, not necessarily because, uh, of, you know, him getting back healthy, you know, Ryan detailed it in a story that he did in the spring about how he'd lost some weight and had, you know, had to deal with some, uh, some internal stuff. If I remember he correctly. Tapeworm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So dealing with something like that is obviously really tough to deal with medically, but also while you're trying to play football and trying to gain weight and try to be super strong and, you know, be able to get by guys that are super strong as well. So I think this year he's just being back healthy is going to be really big for him. And he's going to have an extra, just, just more opportunities because guys like Porter Gustin are gone. Uh, you know, he's just got to find the right fit. And if Chad K comes in and sees him in a certain role, I think that he has, a, you know, seen that he participated a lot in the spring. I think that it leads me to believe that he's going to get some opportunities in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a question from our buddy Michael Castillo. He says, which Pac-12 stadium has the best press box and why, and which is the worst? This isn't a great question for us because we don't stay in the press box very much. You know, we're on the field. True, but we do f- go in them. It's true. I'm just saying it's not the best question for us. Oh, well. I think you actually could answer this question better because you've been to more of the Pac-12 stadiums than I'm I I'm only missing one. UW is the last one. I, I guess Stanford is the one I've been to most, and you know they they give beers out for people after games, so that's a positive for the reporters. I don't drink beer, but I just think that's a that's a cool addition. You know, if they're they're taking care of the reporters and stuff like that, so I'm gonna go with Stanford. I think that's a good one. Arizona State's way up there. Arizona, you're way up there. Cal, like the the food area is all crammed together. UCLA is not bad. Yeah. I would say Cal, if only if they had a better food situation layout, because it's nice and you can it's a nice view, and they have like a, a space that's available for like photographers and people who aren't like seated media. This is hard. What about uh, Utah, Colorado, Washington State? Utah's nice. Oregon, Oregon State. I haven't been to any of those. Utah is nice. It's cramped in the actual like press section, and they don't have like a soda machine. They hand out sodas, which as a liquid consumer, <laughs> I was not a fan of that. Washington State, don't you? Washington State's got the best food, right? I don't remember 
Washington. Plus you get cheese. States. On campus. Food at all. It, it was not anything of remembrance. All right. So you're going with Cal. I'm going for Stanford. So the, <laughs> I don't agree the Weekender, that. obviously, is, is a big sure, press box trip. Sure. I'll go with Cal <laughs> just for the, the, the sake of it. What about the worst? Mm. I've said this before. And mine is, I'm kind of biased with my answer. I feel like I'm not good because I've only been to, f- you know, six of the, the 12, so, or seven of the 12 with USC. Yeah, you're not good, Chuck. Um, my worst is Colorado, and that's because it's 2018 when I went, 19, and they still don't have a female bathroom in the press box. So that's annoying. That's frustrating. So just inconvenience sake, I would say Colorado. Okay. Yeah, there you have it. We have a question from Jana Abraham. The one and the only. She says, in honor of Jake Olson's new wrestling belt, he got an a authentic WWE wrestling belt. Given uh, to him by an, uh, a Fox Sports executive because yes. Fox Sports just inked a billion, billion dollar deal for five years. That's a nice deal. Five years, that's it. I want to make a deal. There's five years, I get a billion dollars. Woo! <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's shots to Jacob Ullman. Uh Jana says, what would be your wrestling name? I mean... It's hard to go away from shotgun. I mean, <laughs> that's true. You already have such a. I don't know. Like, there would be some alliteration there. I wouldn't just use my last name, but like shotgun sizzle or something. I don't know. <laughs> shotgun sizzle. I don't know. Something like that. Sure. What would yours be? I don't know. Killer Keely. I don't. Ooh. Is that pretty good? Yeah. You, might, you probably would have to go with a made up one. I don't dabble in the WWE world, so I don't really know what names sound like in that world. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. So I'll just okay then. Sorry, we went <laughs> so too far away from your comfort zone. I'm just saying, maybe <laughs> I should be more spicy. I don't know. I have no meat. Yeah, for you could be hot tamale. It'd be more spicy. Sure, that's my <laughs> wrestling name. We have a final question, and it's from our buddy Chris Trevino. He says, "If you could see any musician, dead or alive, in any era you want, who would you see?" This is really tough for me because I have a weird musical taste. Um, I probably would want to see Beethoven. <laughs> It's a good answer. Why, why are you laughing at that? I wasn't expecting that at all, exactly. but it's a good answer. Or I would want to see Outcast because I never got to see Outcast. That's what I was before. guessing. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone mentioned in our, when this question came up, uh, someone mentioned in Twitter, Jimi Hendrix. I think that would be an amazing performance to go see. Uh, but I don't know if I could deal with the smoke clouds around <laughs> the stadium at the time. So I don't know. If I'm going to be boring, and I've already seen her multiple times, but oh I would God, say. Beyonce. <laughs> Yeah. You've already seen her. Yeah, but like in this hypothetical situation, I would see her up close and personal. (laughs) I've been in the chief seats. Someone you haven't seen. Let's just come on. I would love to see Adele. Okay. Uh, What? Come on. Singers don't necessarily sound better in stadiums. But this is my answer. Okay. Okay. Fine. Okay. Oh, actually, but I've already seen him too. I love I love Hans Zimmer. He's just amazing. So there. You're Beethoven to my Hans Zimmer. Okay. How about that? Alrighty. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Family Feud Podcast. That shotgun sizzle. I'm Killer <laughs> Keely, and we'll see you guys next week. Send you guys our uh, questions. You know, hit us up on email. You know, see us on all those other, you know, platforms that we're on. Send the pigeons. Yeah. Redondo. Yeah, send the pigeons. Alrighty. We'll see you guys. Peace.